couple of weeks ago when we were talking about Joshua, one of the things that I wanted to just bring out or highlight and, and just talk about was um, Joshua's faith training, Joshua's leadership training. And if you kind of remember, if you were here a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about Joshua, just one of those things that I wanted to encourage you with, because one of the things that I see taking place in our nation is that we have a generation of faithful, loyal servants of our Lord and Savior. One of the things that, that I pray about and one of the things that I talk with a small group of people about is what is this church family? What is God's plan for this church family moving forward? What is it going to look like? And so in that conversation, one of the things that I can so appreciate and relate to in Joshua chapter 1 is that sometimes in this process of training and preparation, we have to focus on keeping our eyes on Jesus. So think about Moses. Moses was one of the great, great examples to the nation of Israel. I mean, there's just so much. I mean, there's so many different things. And one of the things that I asked you to consider a couple weeks ago, what was Joshua's training time? How long was Joshua in training with Moses? Remember the conversation? You have any you have any responses to that? How long was Joshua assisting or working alongside of Moses? Minimum. Minimum of 40 years. So think about wherever you are, whatever kind of situation you're in. You know, some of you have ambitions and you have things that you would like to see God do, but think about Joshua was an assistant, a helper. He walked alongside of Moses for a minimum of 40 years. Now, let me ask, just to show you, how many of you in here are under 40 years of age? Raise your hand. No, no, I'm just saying, that's awesome. I just felt, my bones just started hurting from that. Okay? But think about, those of you that raised your hand, longer than you've been alive... Joshua was in training with Moses. So what I want you to just consider this morning, and you can go ahead. That was good timing, man. Josh, you're on your game, dude. Thank you. Okay? I just want you to consider this morning faith modeled and embraced. So I want to read some verses in Joshua chapter 1, and I just want to remind you of how God was meeting Joshua specifically where he was and the things that he was going through, let's just read some verses and I want you to be encouraged because this is what's really cool. Verse one of chapter one, Joshua. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying. So up to this point, think about it. It's recorded in Joshua chapter one. Now what's beautiful is this is the whole book. The whole book is Joshua. That's the label. That's the moniker that we give it. And it says in the very beginning, Moses' assistant. So up to this point, up to this point, wouldn't it be fair to say that for most of the people that were around Moses or the most of the people that were underneath Moses' leadership, how did they view Joshua as Moses' assistant? Now, things are going to change. Things are going to transfer, and look at what we begin to see here. I want you to pay attention. Moses, it says, Moses, this isn't saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, 
go over this Jordan, you and all this people to the land that I've given you. And you go on to read in so many of the, the verses that we've talked about in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 and verse 9. How many times in here did God say to Joshua, you be strong and you be courageous? Please hear me when I say this, that there is this process of faith, faith that is modeled also has to be embraced. Now, I know that that sounds simple, but I want you to just stop and consider that. Now, we're going to stop right there, flip over to Hebrews chapter 11, because I want you to follow along with me. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to jump over there real quick. I just want to remind you of some things. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. That's some kids having fun up there. If you're wondering, it's not thunder, okay? The building is safe. It's brand new. It's good. It's just kids having a blast learning about Jesus. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, and yet it's the very evidence of things that you're not able to see. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Now, flip over. I want you to flip over just a little bit. And I want you to read down, go down to verse 23. We see all these beautiful examples of faith. Verse 23. By faith, Moses when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were, not, they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Verse 29, by faith, he passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempted to do so were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say? For the time would fill me to tell about, and it goes on to list all these people. Now, if you could jump back to Joshua chapter 1 with me. You can go ahead and change the slide there, Josh. I just want to throw up three characters I want you to consider this morning. I'm going to give you five things, and if you can write them down, I've got them up here for you, but I want you to just consider these five things. We're going to be talking about these three characters. I'm going to mention these three characters, and we are talking about that level of faith. So we've got Joshua, Moses, and Rahab. First thing I want to mention to you this morning, the God in heaven, the God of the Bible, go ahead, Josh, jump on it. There you go. Is pleased by and responds to faith. 
Please hear me from Old Testament to New Testament. If you are confused about the Bible, there are a lot of things that I can understand why there would be a level of confusion. But what I want to encourage you with is that from the very beginning until now, God responds to faith. God put a system in place to try to reveal to us as mankind that regardless of what we do, we can't earn We can't be good enough to earn what God has for us. That's what the Old Testament makes very plain through the law, is that on our best day, keeping all the laws and keeping all the things, the law does not purify us from the inside out. So from the Old Testament to the New Testament, look at this. God is pleased by and he responds to faith. Some of you grew up in traditions like mine where it was hellfire brimstone to the point of the do's and the don'ts and you trying to be good was what you were striving for. And then in the process, you would talk about the grace of God or you would talk about the mercy of God or you would talk about Jesus' love. But the thing that was really embedded in your heart is that you were trying to be good. There's a reason why I played the funny video. Because what Joe McGee said is so true. We can't barter with God. We can't make a deal with God. We can't try to be good enough to earn anything from God. And this morning, and I'm committed to the rest of my life doing a better job with reminding us that it is faith that God responds to. Some of you would say, but Tim, faith is too simple. You don't know how messed up I am. That's the whole point. Because faith puts us all on level playing ground. Because some of you may have functionally made more damaging decisions than I have made, but please hear something from my heart to yours. Our hearts and our thought processes and what we want to do, all of us are in the same boat. Every single one of us in this room, every single one of us within this building, have all fallen short and we have sin. The thing that transforms is our faith response to what Jesus has done on the cross. So I just want to remind you as we get started this morning, our lives here together need to be about faith. And that's still our struggle, faith. Number two, I want to throw this out. I want you to think about this. Faith that is modeled by one must be embraced by another. Now, this sounds really simple, but each person must make a personal choice to trust God. Some of you, that's what I've been trying to lay the groundwork. That's what I've been trying to talk to you about. That's in some of the meetings, some of the different things. And let me just tell you something. I want my faith to increase. I want my faith to get stronger. But all my faith is, is a model for you to see, because Ben, my faith didn't cover your faith. Ben's faith is his choice. Charles, my faith may be an example to you, and your faith may be an example to somebody else. Ben, your faith may be an example, but when it's all said and done, each and every one of us, may we have to make a personal faith choice. And some of you, you're still trying to tether yourself because you, you want to make sure you get this thing right. Well, let me just encourage you. Faith is messy. messy. Faith can be nasty. Faith can be scary. Faith is an unknown. That's what makes it faith. You get what I'm saying? 
Well, Pastor Tim, I'm not sure. Well, guess what? I'm not either. What, what, what do you mean you're not either? You're supposed to be our spiritual leader. Yeah, I'm trying. But we're all in the same boat. Yes, there are things that we know and we see and we understand, but this faith journey is an everyday personal thing. And so I want to ask you this morning, the people that you've seen model genuine faith, I'm not talking about religious works and do good, be good, try to be a good person. I'm talking about you've seen people that have stepped out by faith, they've lived by faith, they are an example to you, they are trying to model faith, but when it's all said and done, Faith has to be embraced personally. And then you become a model for somebody else to believe that they can have faith too. Am I right, Mark? You get what I'm saying? Moses modeled faith for Joshua. And Joshua learned. Joshua watched him make mistakes. Joshua watched all kinds of stuff. But there came a point where it was time for Joshua to step up in a way and step out from behind Moses' shadow and lead and influence. And it was a personal choice that he had to make. And let me just tell you something that's beautiful about this passage in Joshua chapter 1. I don't want you to, over, I don't want you to overlook. God had been preparing Joshua, and God knew what Joshua needed. Do you notice that God spoke directly to Joshua the way that he had Moses? You say, Pastor Tim, did God speak to Joshua the way that, did he ever do it before that time? I don't know. But I know that a lot of times when we step out by faith, please hear me when I say this, God doesn't respond to us when we want him to. God responds to us when he needs to for us. All right, number three. Look up here. Faith choices do not always work out the way we think. Some of you right now, you're like me, and you're struggling in your faith because you want to say, God, I trust you, but let me just explain to you that there are these parameters and these expectations, and this is what I want this faith journey to look like, so I'm going to take a step of faith, but you better meet my expectations for me to follow you. I can just tell you from experience, <laughs> if you're sitting there today, you are going to face disappointment because God's probably not going to meet your expectations. And you want to know why? Because our faith is in someone greater who has a far greater plan. You realize that you have blind spots, correct? Every single person in this room has blind spots. You know what that means? They're called blind spots for a reason. Because there are things about ourselves that when we evaluate ourselves that we completely overlook because it's a blind spot. So guess what? When I give my life to Christ and I say, God, I want you to make me and mold me and I'm going to walk by faith and I want to be conformed to the image of your son. Guess what? His work in me is about him perfecting me the way that he wants me to be, not about him perfecting me to meet my expectation that I see in the mirror. And I'm just going to say, for a lot of us, this is a really hard point. 
Because what happens is God brings things into my life that are uncomfortable, that are challenging, that are disappointing, that are all the different things that I could label as negative, but he's doing that because he's at work in me because he is greater than me and he sees better than me and he's got something way greater that's his plan that he's trying to accomplish. What's amazing is I lose sight of the fact that in my frustration or my temper tantrum emotionally, because God is not meeting my expectations, I forget to celebrate the fact that God is allowing me to participate in this great plan. Isn't that amazing? That with all my mistakes, with all my failures, with all my boo-boos, God is patient and loving, and he still allows me to participate in this great plan. The next thing I want you to consider. Faith in the one true God can blossom in the most unexpected people through the most unexpected circumstances. You know what I want to point out this morning I want you to consider? Have you ever looked at Hebrews chapter 11 in relation to Joshua chapter 1 and realized that Joshua's name is nowhere in Hebrews chapter 11? Go back and reread that real quick. Now, what we read through, if you're not careful and if you're not paying attention, you're going to read how that they, what, what body of water did it say that they crossed over? That was mentioned. What was the second body of water in Hebrews chapter 11? The Jordan River. Who's in charge of that crossover? Go back and read Joshua chapter 1 through Joshua chapter 10. You're going to see that Joshua in his new assignment was in charge of the Jordan crossover. But Joshua's name gets left out of Hebrews chapter 11. Now, for, let's just be honest about what we struggle with as human beings. How would you and I be if we responded to God in faith and got left out of Hebrews chapter 11? Now, we're gonna, we're gonna, on the outside, we're going to act like, oh, no, that's God's plan. But if you're like me, on the inside, you're going to be like... <laughs> You know all that I've done. I didn't make the list. I didn't make the list. Nobody's going to know. Now, I know I'm probably the only person in here that struggles with that kind of stuff. I can tell by your looks. Some of you are like, don't, don't, no facial expression, don't move. I get that. But instead, who makes the list in Hebrews chapter 11? Tell me your name. Who made the list? Moses, Rahab. Rahab made the list. And they're going to be, you could read some commentaries that are going to try to rationalize and explain away. Well, if you look at the words, traditionally she was considered a prostitute. And um, in that culture and in that situation, um, if you read, it's kind of a cool thing because she was a, she, she was a prostitute that was very well connected to the government, knew what was going on. So she was very entrepreneurial, loved her family. But this is a point that I want to make. God put Rahab in the list in Hebrews chapter 11, and he left Joshua out for very specific reasons. If you say, Pastor Tim, what are those reasons? I don't know. Can't give you a list of those. But I know that for me and my religious background, it's a beautiful punch in the face. The reason Rahab is in there is a beautiful punch in the face for me personally. 
because it's a punch in the face against religion that has all of these, oh, I'm better than you expectations. And it's such a beautiful reminder of how God responds to genuine faith. Are you tracking with me? If you, I'm just going to throw this out. Do a little bit of biblical research. Guess who? Guess what woman is listed in the lineage of Christ? So this prostitute who was part of God's redemptive plan, who put her faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, was actually part of the lineage of our Savior. This is what I want to say. Well, I can say that too. We'll get to that one in just a minute. Please hear me, brothers and sisters. Are you a person or do you have people around you that you say to yourself, oh, they would never trust Jesus. So I'm not going to say anything and I'm going to keep my mouth shut because they would never respond to the good news of Jesus. How many people thought that of Rahab? Who would have thought this prostitute is who God is going to use to bring the redemptive plan of the nation of Israel and then later on the redemptive plan of Jesus, death, burial, and resurrection for the forgiveness of our sins through her line. And some of you have been raised in churches where you can't even talk about this kind of ugly, uncomfortable stuff because it doesn't fit into cute little Bible theology and doctrine. Let's not be that kind of church family. Let's be willing to have hard conversations about hard things and go to the word of God and see what God says about things. This next one. Faith in God often makes what appears to be a hopeless situation a life-altering, beautiful experience. Joshua chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 11. The thing that those people had in common with us is that every single one of them were faced with situations that humanly, humanly, the challenge was don't go, don't do. Every single one of us in here this morning have those daily situations where we read the principles of the Word of God. Second Peter chapter 1 says that we have these great and precious promises that we actually, because of Jesus Christ, not our own righteousness, but because of Jesus Christ, we can participate with God in His divine nature, and He gives us all these great and precious promises, and yet we are faced with, each and every day, are we going to walk by faith, or are we going to walk by what we see with our visual eyes? Some of you, you can look at things with a half-empty perspective, but you're going to struggle to have faith in God's amazing work and God's amazing plan and God's amazing grace. Because I'm asking you this morning to consider your heart, your soul, your mind, and are you actively making a choice by the models that you've seen live before you to embrace faith personally. Marianne, I'm going to pick on you. 
You're like a lot of us. You're hard on yourself, yet I've seen you grow in your faith. Am I right, Karen? Matt? Have you seen her grow in her faith? Okay. And so that faith, as simple as it may seem, when you trust, and I could ask other people that have gotten to know you, they've seen the transformative things take place in your life by faith. And so what we don't see is that because faith seems like one of those little things that you overlook, and yet to other people, faith that's being modeled is a big thing. But usually, and I'm picking on her, I could go through and I could talk to 50 of you in here and say the same thing. Let me say the same thing. <laughs> I got a young lady going, no, 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 no. But what I'm trying to point out is, for most of us, we don't do really well saying thank you or encouraging other people when we see things being modeled. But the greatest level of appreciation is to take the faith that's been modeled and embrace it and then become a model for somebody else. That's what discipleship is. You spend time with somebody. When you look at Rahab, when you look at Hebrews chapter 11, when you look at Joshua, what I think is so beautiful about these three characters is that if we were writing the Bible, we would write it much differently than what the way it's recorded because we would highlight things a little bit differently. But I believe that the point is it's about our faith response. So I'm gonna ask you this morning, do you think God is pleased with you because you're able to be a good person? Do you think God is pleased with you because you're able to keep the rules? We just read that Moses, Joshua, and Rahab met with God and were pleasing to God by something that children model for every one of us. I don't know how you define faith, but Tim Duggins has gotten to the point where my definition of faith is hard to put in words. It's more like this. Can you describe that? I see a lot of you, when you come in here, you respond to childlike faith. I do that with my granddaughters. They'll be moving out soon. And so I won't get that example of faith every day the way that I have. But it's just really simple. They have confidence in pop-up. So when they want something, Have you lost that? Some of you men, you've been raised in home, homes like mine where you didn't have a man to depend on. I know it sounds silly, but it's really hard for you to do what I just did to God. And it's taken me a lot of years because when I need him the most, I run from him the fastest. Daggone, I gotta admit it though but I'm trying to learn to run to him and just stretch out my arms and say, Abba, Father, I need you. Help me. You know what's amazing? Is when I do that, I get a response. It may not be when I think, 
But he responds to me and he meets my needs. Why? Because you're the lead pastor of the Mountain View Chapel Ministries? No. Because I'm a goober who needs God. And I go, help? And he responds to me on the most personal level. So how are you doing with faith? Have you experienced transformative, forgiving, life-changing faith? Is that the last slide? Gosh, I couldn't remember. Yep, thank you. Sealed the deal. Father in heaven, I come to you this morning. I stand here, faith is my choice. And Father, you know my heart for so many people, but more for myself, I come to you and I ask that you would help my unbelief. Father, I thank you for the faith of a Roman soldier that your son was blown away by. Thank you, Jesus, for making note of that man's great faith. And so, Father, I, I just come to you on behalf of every one of us that you would help us to be a family of genuine faith in Jesus Christ, your son, your work, and faith in your spirit to work in and through us each and every day, Father, to accomplish what you want here and around the world, Father. Oh, God, we desperately need help. Help us to believe that you are at work in people's hearts and lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, before we stand and sing, can I ask you one last question? If you were in Jericho and you happen to be traveling through and you were a person that had faith in God, would you have picked out the prostitute that had her house on the wall as a person that had the most pliable heart toward the God of heaven? If you wouldn't have chosen Rahab, then let me ask you this week to not sneer your nose or look down on other people that have made life-altering choices and they're living with sadness or you could look down on them or you think that they're not open. None of us have any idea what's going on in the heart and soul of a person and how the Spirit of God is working. So let's guard ourselves. If you're sitting there and you say to yourself, I would have chosen Rahab then you need to talk to me after the services because you need to be in charge of some of these ministries in Mountain View. I'm being dead serious. We got some work for you to do. But if you're like me and you wouldn't have chosen Rahab, then let's guard ourselves this week and be open to proclaim the love of Jesus to everybody.